0: Welcome to perspectives podcast. My name is Bruce. This is a place for meaningful conversations, place of discovering who we are, our values, our stories. This week I have a friend, interesting guest that I'll introduce in just a moment. Her name is miss Olena Koval and she's from Ukraine. She's a psychologist, a mom. And specializes in trauma and what a time to be in that sphere. For those of you that maybe don't know who I am, I encourage you to go back to the first episode for an introduction of this podcast, the purpose and why we're doing it. Our family has lived in Ukraine for the past 15 years and like Olena, we've been really thrust into a new reality, and part of that reality allows us to explore and really learn about ourselves. I enjoy conversation, and that's really the heart of this podcast, and so we'll get to our guest in just a second, but I did want to just point out the the word dialogue. I really enjoy etymology, understanding the root words. Uh, dialogue comes from the Greek dia meaning through and logos or log which is the word word a stream of meaning flowing among and through and between us and so as we're putting together these words into sentences into conversation we're actually carrying meaning and interacting with meaning and and so to Restore the art of conversation requires us to actually listen. And in our generation, one of the things that I think we're losing is the art of conversation. Conversation is becoming theater. Who can argue the best? Who can speak the loudest? And there's this idea that in dialogue, there's a winner and a loser, which is a false reality. The moment we try and win... An argument. Uh, Maybe we're great at rhetoric and logic, and we can think on our feet, and we have a lot of cognitive information. But if we are not listening and we're not engaging in the appreciation and the understanding of meaning, and we're trying to grow and develop our lens from which we see the world, then we're actually not having a dialogue or a conversation. We're just maybe speaking to ourselves. So, Go back to the first episode if you're interested, a little more philosophy and history of why I'm doing this podcast to restore the art of conversation, especially in the West, where everyone's shouting and very few people are listening. And before I introduce uh, Lena, this morning, just researching again the statistics on uh, Ukraine and the refugees since February 24th when Russia invaded, I can't believe it's all, it's been five months, five months, 9.6 million, according to statistics I got from the UN, 9.6 million uh, Ukrainians have fled Ukraine. Interestingly, 4 million have returned. So that gives a net of 5.6 million have been displaced, have started their lives in other countries, have moved. 5.6 million. like I can't wrap my head around that. Inside Ukraine, those that haven't left but have been displaced, another 8 million. 8 million moms, dads, kids, grandmas and grandpas, your neighbors. That's a total of 13.6 million, the largest rapid displacement of a people since World War II. Actually, it's the Syrian refugees. Half the country of Syria had to evacuate. That was 13. So Ukraine has surpassed the Syrian refugee crisis. It's massive, massive amount of people have been displaced. The size of Ukraine is pretty much equal to the state of Texas. So that gives you a little idea. If you can imagine the southern borders being occupied in Texas and bombs and missiles continuing to hit civilian and military targets, seemingly random. In the state within Ukraine, we have many friends, and Elena does as well, and family and neighbors who are still there and have been living through this continuous instability and insecurity and fear and actually adapting to that reality. We are in Romania right now, and Romania has the fourth highest uh, amount of Ukrainian refugees. It's around 83,000 right now. I want to just go ahead and bring Elena in to our podcast now and welcome her, and we'll get into a little bit of her world in, in conversation. So, Elena, welcome to our podcast.
1: Merci. <laughs> nice merci, merci. You.
0: She's already learning Romanian?
1: Uh, yeah,
0: I am a bit. Can you say anything other than merci in yeah.
1: Romanian? Yeah,
0: Okay, what does that mean? Um, Have a nice day,
1: like hello, something like that. Okay. Like dobry day uh, okay. in Ukrainian.
0: Nice. Elena, take us, take us back to before February 24th and give our listeners a little bit of understanding who is... Lena Koval, where are you from? What were you doing in Kyiv? So? Mm-hmm.
1: I was born and raised in the Donetsk region, but I moved to Kyiv uh, more than 20 years ago to, for my university, and I stayed there. Um, my life was pretty simple. <laughs> I was working, I have a daughter, she was studying in school, we have a dog, so it was... Pretty simple schedule, school in the morning, day of work, then taking back daughter from school, working with dog, and some work on weekends as well, but some rest with the friends.
0: So you're in the city, You, um, your daughter's going to school, and you're practicing as a psychologist. Was that in a an office or online?
1: Um, I had my own practice. I had, a, um, let's say, office, and I was working... Uh, Offline and online as well. I had some clients who were living abroad.
0: Can you tell us, like, how did you get into psychology? Maybe a little bit of the uh, story there.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Um, for, for my, it was quite common that uh, students at the end of the school, they didn't know what, what they're going to do afterwards. So it was my example as well. I didn't know, and um, my first university was chosen by my parents. I, I finished uh, computer science, but I never worked uh, in this field. I, I had a good career in the, bank, in the banking sphere. It was the fraud monitoring thing, and uh, we did some. But at some point I realized that I'm losing my time, and I, I didn't feel any sense anymore in my work. So I stopped, and I was thinking what what I'm gonna do. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I tried few few other professions, like I I tried to uh, study photography or cosmetology. I was I was uh, looking for myself actually uh, through through this uh, experience. But at some point, I got my personal uh, crisis in life, Mm -hmm. in relations with my uh, husband. And um, I found few uh, specialists, psychologists, uh, in order to help us, but I didn't get any like useful practice, what, which I could change somehow our relations or my understanding of, those, of that crisis. Then uh, my daughter was born, and when she was like one, at some at one day, I just woke up and. Uh, Nice idea came to my mind just to go uh, to my second university. And like in three days, I was already accepted by
0: university in Kiev. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's what I love about Ukrainians is how resourceful they are. Like when I go back to America or Canada where I was born, uh, there's this kind of sense like you're your life's headed in one direction to change career paths, to do something drastic is, is a, is a big risk. um, And takes a lot of emotional energy. And I've seen this repeated within uh, Ukraine, especially in the last five, six, seven years, there's like kind of a a rush to figure yourself out. And there's many opportunities. And for you to just kind of, you know what, I'm not happy. I'm not going to wait until I'm 50 sitting at the bank, yes. you know, some people love that, love numbers, love things adding up, but you decided this is not who I am. I really credit you for stepping out and starting in a, a new path, especially psychology. It's not, not like you went to work at McDonald's, no. you know, and this is an entirely new sphere. So uh, did you know right away once you got into university and started learning that this was Hey this I, this is more comfortable with my interests and my passion.
1: Yes, I knew that from the very beginning and I was constantly looking for some depths in my life. I felt that um, uh, what I can see or like what we can calculate it, it's not it's not the, the whole entire world.
0: You're attracted uh, to mystery and
1: mystery or something which you can't uh, count w- which you mm. can't measure. You you don't have these ma- uh, measure instruments to to, to right. count something which is really m- more important than mm-hmm. working in a bank and losing my time.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So your take us through. You you go through school, you graduate, and then how did you go from graduation into actually practicing?
1: When you're studying psychology, you need to have your own therapy hours of therapy, and it was a slow and essential process uh, uh, from my own therapy, individual, from my own group therapy. We started to have some practice. So it was slowly, slowly happened by itself, mm-hmm. to be honest.
0: Right. So as we approach February 24th, you feel like life was pretty good? Were you in a good place?
1: yes. Yes, I finally I felt stable. I had my own practice. I was, um, I had uh, enough amount of clients. Um, everything was good. I was traveling when I wanted. Mm. Uh, my daughter was in a good school, we, we lived in a good apartment, mm-hmm. we just bought a puppy. Mm-hmm. So everything was good, to be honest, yes.
0: Is that the puppy that's here now? Yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> All the Ukrainians and their pets, we've, uh, we've talked about that before, at the border, they show up and you think you're picking up four people, but it's four people and, th- and three animals. <laughs> um, so back to this, this season, I think is interesting, because many Ukrainians, not not all, but the few years leading up to this war, was a real real sense of change in Ukraine. Uh, at least I felt it. Um, the first maybe eight years before Maidan and all of this, you know, it was definitely not the easiest country to live in, and a lot of corruption. There was at least for a foreigner. Uh, but we really noticed change. We saw. The people kind of rise up and take take control of their country. Doesn't mean that the corruption stopped overnight, but we definitely saw with the police, with the different utility companies, much improved systems where there weren't just you know wink wink money under the table. There was some more accountability and kind of a sense of a sense of democracy. I don't think it was necessarily purely um, fully free, but it was in a good space. And so, could you? Sp- maybe share your thoughts on that just would you agree that was a sense of a little more optimism
1: optimism more more uh, we had uh, more active youth people young people they more uh, they, they were started they started to be involved in all kinds of processes all over the governmental thing all over the business small businesses they um started to open new cafes like They played music. They they felt more free and more acceptable. Yes, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, that goes back to power, right, mm -hmm. and control. It was being really distributed to the people, and so, uh, and you're one of those recipients. Uh, of my life you know I'm I'm starting to have a little more control over my life mobility I can travel I can have my own place I don't need to live with my parents and my grandparents in one apartment and things that were acceptable Mm -hmm. in kind of socialistic uh, history that it inherited and so I think that's important for the west to understand that uh, that there was some significant fruit uh, of Mm -hmm the sacrifices that people had been making through those different revolutions and leading up to the war, you are uh, at Christmas time. I'm sure you did your traditional new years. Mm -hmm. And what were you sensing? I wasn't really too concerned, but there was a sense that maybe it was different this time when there's a hundred thousand troops at the border. Take us back to that period for you and, and, you know, December, January, what was going through your mind? Mm-hmm.
1: Thinking back, I realized that I had some some feelings. I'm not in, into the news that much. I've heard, of course, about the troops uh, close to the borders, but um, usually news are going through through me and they're not staying with me. But this time, I start to feel some anxious mm. uh, and it was slowly growing inside. Uh, maybe up from like middle of january i would say uh but i i didn't believe of Mm -hmm. course my my uh logic part logic part of myself constantly was talking that oh no come on it's 21st century we're living in such a great country why to fight for like no, no more mm. wars. Like,
0: Friends and family feeling the same way?
1: Um, of course, we were discussing, but a lot of people, they, they even didn't want to talk about uh, the future war, or potential war, because mm. they, they didn't believe at all. They were busy with their own daily routine, and like, no war, no.
0: no, mm. no. So take us to the day, uh, February 24th, you wake up to What?
1: Uh, I, I do believe like two or three days right before the war, like, I remember them even by, by, by hours, maybe by, by minutes. Mm. And I've, it was, um, yeah, it was a big sense of anxiety. Uh, and Wednesday, I came back from my work and then I thought, okay, uh, I'm booking tickets now somewhere to Turkey. I wanted to fly to Turkey. And uh, I'm gonna have unplanned vacation, and if nothing happening, I'm coming back, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I opened browser, and there were no tickets anywhere from Kiev to fly in the future ten days. You couldn't fly anywhere. There were no mm-hmm. tickets. Somehow I managed to find uh, a ticket from Kiev to Moldova. So next day I, I planned to fly away.
0: Bags are packed, you wake up, and what happens from there?
1: Early morning, I got a call that, okay, what well started? didn't hear any any bombs. Um, so a friend of mine, he called, and he said, okay, uh, uh, take your daughter, jump in the car, and just drive away for a few days. Just take two T-shirts, some cash money, passports, just, just go and mm-hmm. be fast. mm mm-hmm. So in half an hour, we were already sitting in the car and trying to get out of the city.
0: With with uh, a million other people? Yes. Roads are blocked up. Yes. you were. What What's going through your mind?
1: There was no time for emotions, no space for emotions. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was pretty calm, and daughter, she was sleepy, and um, somehow I thought that we're going to spend like a week or Couple of weeks uh, in the middle of nowhere in Ukraine, mm-hmm. in the western part of Ukraine.
0: So where did you go?
1: Uh, we drove to our friends' parents' place. It's a old, small village uh, in the in the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of field and forest. So I didn't know what to do. Of course, we stayed in those in that village for a couple of days. And I didn't feel like going anywhere because I didn't know where to go and what what I'm going to do there and how long it will take. Uh, but again, uh, another day I woke up and I felt, okay, I need to go. And uh, I, I got a call from another friend and they, um, they lived in the western part of Ukraine on the border with Hungary. And they said that this exact this um, entrance to the Hungary now with the Ukraine is not as crowded as others, so you can you you can drive there. So we drove, and I felt like I'm driving. So we we, sit, we sat in the car and um, and crossed the border with Hungary, and I was leading to Turkey because I have friends and sisters mm. in Turkey.
0: Gonna get there. You you spent all this money on your ticket. You're gonna drive to Turkey.
1: Yes. I didn't know where where to go. Uh, It was an interesting story. I I stayed here by accident. Um,
0: Here as in Cluj? As in
1: Cluj in Romania, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, We booked a hotel in Cluj uh, to sleep overnight because we were really tired. And, And somewhere... At night, I, I realized that, okay, what I'm going to do in Turkey, they have an a econo- economical crisis there, and um, I, I checked uh, the prices for rent, uh, they they were double, uh, comparing with January. Okay. But when the war started, right. the, the apartments were extremely expensive, became so... And I realized that I will not find the proper job there for myself. And I will not find a good school for my daughter. And I will not get any um, support from the government. Because Ukraine is far away from Turkey. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably Turkish government will not support in any way. Mm-hmm. So it was a big dilemma what to do. Like, So <laughs> here in Romania... Um, waking up in the morning in this hotel, I I got two options, one on south to the Turkey, uh, another north and Bratul, two different directions. Mm. And I was ready to flip coin in the air, what to do. Because I was, I lost, I felt lost, like Mm. I have no idea what to do. Mm -hmm. And um, parking out from the parking spot, uh, I scratched with my car, uh, car of the Romanian um, guy. I was, yeah, I was, it was another headache. I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the guy, he said, yeah, I don't care. I don't need to call insurance. And then he saw my Ukrainian plates and he asked, do you have actually a house? I was like, no. Okay. I have, a, I have friends who are offering a house uh, for free. They just built it, and the uh, uh, house is open, and he showed me photos. So I followed him, in, and in half an hour, I was living in a nice house here in Cluj.
0: Mm. Uh, I came an, maybe a, about a week or two probably after you. When did you come to Cluj?
1: First of March.
0: Okay. So we were, we actually arrived at the same time and to see hundreds of Alenas uh, in the hotels in the, I I wrote about it on my blog, exhausted, travel weary. I mean, I would run into Ukrainians in parking lots, in their cars, in the same situation you were in ready to flip coins. Like where, where do we go? We have limited amount of money. Mm -hmm. Uh, we just know that we're safe, you know, and that's, that's where they were at. And to be among the thousands and thousands, I remember the first few weeks, it was like 10,000 people have left. And then it's 30,000. You know, now we're in the millions. Yeah. But back at that beginning stage, Romania really, like Poland, like Slovakia and Hungary, there, there was an immediate response of kindness, of assistance, of we'll, we'll do everything that we can. And it was really amazing, amazing period to see humanity. Uh, the hearts just open up. We speak different languages. And so you speak English, So, but many of, and a lot of you Romanians speak English, so you have that connection. But many, many Ukrainians uh, don't speak English. And and those that, the elderly that are leaving and don't have uh, an online job opportunity. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're actually... Um, more of in the minority from my perspective, because you are a self-starter, entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you're, you're young, uh, got your car, you started out and had the mental capacity to, to navigate. But for so many Ukrainians, they come into this situation with the trauma without all of those tools. So tell us about how you began working with Ukrainians and how you went from flipping a coin, where do I go, mm-hmm. to actually being so useful as as a psychologist and trauma therapist mm-hmm. to assist and help hundreds of those in our region here in Cluj, your own people. Mm-hmm. How did that come about?
1: It's again about the accident. Um, first few days um, when we stayed in, in this house, um, they were uh, house of course chaotic I didn't know what to do and
0: uh, there were others living in this house yes
1: there were other Ukrainian families okay and uh, it was slowly restoring process like with normalizing the schedule with sleeping eating and everything and uh, there was uh, in Cluj uh, Romanians organized some kids activities uh, uh, for Ukrainian kids and we came there with the daughter and I met the beautiful Romanian lady. We start talk, you know, by accident and uh, somehow we ended up and and uh, she offered her help in organizing to have some group meetings with Ukrainians because I saw in, in, in that uh, space for kids' activity I met a, a lot of Ukrainian women and I saw... Uh, in their eyes, that they're lost, they're confused, they 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 have fears, and it wasn't the right moment and right place actually to talk about it. And and this beautiful U- Romanian uh, lady, she helped uh, to organize space and uh, give some add uh, through through all all the Romanians who are helping Ukrainians actually. So and in this way, in this way, I organized uh, my group meetings with Ukrainian women. Because who we have ye- here, of course, mostly of them, they're women and kids.
0: Right. And that's something that uh, maybe the West you've heard and maybe you understand, but I encourage you to think about it because these. Women, a lot of them are moms, wives that have left their husbands. Their husbands aren't allowed to leave Ukraine unless you have, is it three or more children? Mm -hmm. And so if you only have, if you're married, don't have any kids or have one child, two children, you are not legally allowed to leave unless you have very specific permission. Most of these women that you're talking about coming with fear and trauma and they're unsure of when they're going to see their Mm husband again, and then babushkas, yes. of the grandmas too. So you've got a wide range of female and children yes. flooding all of these countries. And so, you know, as a male, as a, I think, okay, I up and I move with my family and it's going to be hard, but we can do it. No, this is, this is half your family. This is your wife and children without you and without, for many of them, without the finances to mm-hmm. survive in mm-hmm. Europe. Uh, when I think of like post-traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. and, and it, I always think of uh, military those soldiers that are on the front lines mm-hmm. that and witness horrific mm-hmm. atrocities and you know the nightmares and the physical anxiety and the effects mm-hmm. that it has but from this experience of seeing refugees and seeing um, being a part of displaced people uh, traumas Broadening in my mind and in my experience to being much more than just for soldiers. Um, can you can you help us understand as you, someone who works with trauma what what are the major symptoms of someone who who has had trauma and it's affecting them in a, a negative way?
1: I will try to be short in this, so um, that can be. Uh, lots of symptoms of traumas, of traumatic ex- experience, right? And we need to understand that trauma it's not about the w- what's happening to you. Trauma is about that how do you rea- react on certain situation. So and for someone, a trauma could be like losing a, a doll in a childhood. It could be traumatic experience for a kid. But for, for others, uh, even the car accident will not be a traumatic. So it depends on a lot of uh, individual factors, I would say. Of course, uh, what, what's coming first in my mind, so any kind of addictions, it's a sign mm-hmm. of traumatic experience. Any flag, flashbacks. The easiest way to check if trauma still has some impact on me on or not... When you uh, experience, for example, when you're living in your daily routine and uh, experiencing, for example, like suddenly uh, fast, hard, uh, hard. Blood break, pressure goes yeah, up. blood you're, you're pressure you're. or some mm-hmm. sudden anxiety or you feel, or, or you feel insecure. First, first uh, question you need to ask to yourself, is it, is it. Has something to do with reality or not? Because a lot of times, a lot of times, when all our traumatic experience, uh, which which we are holding in our memory, it just coming up at some unexpected moments, triggered by some, but by something, by some sounds, some some uh, speech, some smell smells uh, mm-hmm. voices colors it doesn't matter but this triggers uh, all those traumatic sensations body sensations emotional ses- sensations feelings feelings of uh, powerless for example or not good enough uh, or n- being uh, not smart enough or not beautiful enough it, it doesn't matter. All those sensations, they're coming up and they're our reality. Mm-hmm. So, the first question you need to ask
0: like invading. Yes. So the, the, yeah. So, talk to us about the triggers and maybe bring in some of the experiences with the Ukrainians mm-hmm. here. Visitors come for the first time, which they're still coming you know we have some tomorrow coming some friends from Ukraine 5 months they've been inside and i know that when they hear a loud noise or they see an airplane they can shake yes they can like just look shocked you know there's these physical cues yep. and and it's very sobering it's very it brings it back to the, the reality of yes. what's taking place inside ukraine what are some of the triggers and and reactions that you're having to work with with some of these moms mm-hmm. the women that you are mm-hmm. helping
1: a lot of triggers in the beginning there were like uh, all those women there for example they were walking uh, through the city and they saw just normal life normal families they're uh, having fun or uh, spending time together and it was the main trigger actually they when would see they, Romanian families yes, going about life, yes. and wow. they they realized that they lost everything. They lost mm-hmm. their houses, feeling of home. Uh, uh, they lost their world. Actually, at and from one hour to another, they lost everything, mm-hmm. and it was the main trigger, actually, for those for those women with the kids, and mm-hmm. uh, and from this point there. are there are many questions like what i'm gonna do with my kid where i should put them in schools kindergartens how how i'm gonna
0: to be uprooted in the middle of a school year i'm thinking you're safe relax mm-hmm. you know everything's fine just you know breathe but many many moms like school school where can i put my for me it didn't seem logical
1: I guess it's individual thing. It can be overreaction. It can be traumatic. But again, it's important to, f- to keep this sense of act- activity.
0: Normalcy. Yes. Right.
1: You need to keep this uh, feeling that you're uh, still active in some aspects of your life. You're mm. active in there organizing some entertainment for kids. You're, you're cooking, you're, yes. whatever you were doing, yes. trying to bring it into yes. this reality. No, not to stay frozen. It's, it's right. so, so important. Not, not to stay and lay down on the sofa and enjoy that you are safe. No, it's, it's not the best solution. And,
0: and if anything, we saw the first, probably first month, they were glued to their phones yes. because their sons were fighting in the front line. Their neighbors were they okay? Their property, their home, was it still there? And and we saw that day after day. And then the physical effects of that stress after a week, two weeks, we had people going to the hospital mm-hmm. because they were physically falling apart. Yes. yes. Um, is is that something you've experienced as well? Like just the, the health, physical yes. health reactions of stress and fear yes yes what kinds of things have you seen just physically Um, headaches or uh, blood pressure insomnia insomnia
1: or uh, some eating disorders um, like overeating or not eating at all Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, panic attacks Mm
0: -hmm.
1: opening up some chronic diseases
0: okay what are some other things that, that they can do just practically from your experience to begin to mm-hmm. uh, take steps?
1: Mm-hmm. Practically what you can do. Um, you, first, you always need to remember that it is just um, one, one part of, of you which is still feel fear, for example, or can't sleep. It's not the whole you. You 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 are much bigger as a as a soul as a human. You are much bigger than this part. First of all. Second of all, everything what what you're feeling is okay. Uh, and third, um, I would recommend that any any types of like mindfulness practices or or praying, it it has the same therapeutical effect when you've. When you uh, feel this connection to to something which is bigger than you and which which you can lay on in, even in your feelings when you in Ukraine we have this saying that you can't fall uh, down Then God's uh, God uh, hands are you can you can't fall through further through. you can't
0: f- yeah you can't fall through God's hands yes
1: yeah. yes. And uh, to keep this uh, in your memory that you, you can't mm. actually. Mm. And um, in practical, you need you need, uh, you need to, to to try to to organize the normal daily routine with eating, sleeping, doing some uh, workouts or long walking or any any kind of sport activities like anything which you mm. like to.
0: Mm-hmm. Our bodies are so. Uh, integrated yes you know and and maybe and I, I we've talked about this before but just the uh, like you had mentioned trying to measure things and trying to quantify everything it's not that simple we're so dynamic and um, so would you say that uh, putting ourselves in healthy spaces like with people that you can talk with and, and dialogue you you use dialogue and conversation as a healing tool among the Ukrainians here, right in your group mm-hmm. discussions, um, is that for everyone? Is that kind of a principle that you should practice if you've had traumatic uh, experiences, um, or is it just for the outgoing, talkative people? Or is that also important for the introverts?
1: Yeah, it's important for introverts, but for introverts, uh, maybe uh, maybe face to face sessions will be more comfortable versus Zoom. Yeah, or maybe Zoom, where where, as long as they can keep feeling that they are in control of this um, interaction. Mm -hmm. For some people, it it will be really important that their boundaries uh, are safe and they are controlling. And Mm -hmm. then anytime they can stop this conversation or switch off
0: just give us a comment on the situation now in Cluj like many other cities they had an influx different waves of people Mm -hmm. uh that was interesting to experience too the first wave uh mostly younger people that were ready to go start new opportunities then you had the babushkas and those that didn't want to leave Ukraine Mm -hmm. but by physical force from the east or their kids made them leave um and then uh, the borders are still open. Now, as a psychologist working with trauma, what's it like now, five months into the war, compared to at the beginning?
1: Mm, I would say the people more adopted, Ukrainians more adopted here. Um, they, they're they starting to feel more settled. Uh, they kind of... Um, they are not uh, reading 24-7 news online, mm-hmm. which is so good. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of them, they're going back to Ukraine for some uh, like regions like Kyiv is, for example.
0: What about Olena Koval? What about your short-term, long-term plans, thoughts? Mm-hmm. Have you settled in and adapted are you romanian now Mm -hmm. uh you'll always be ukrainian do you feel a temptation to go back
1: i will stay here for uh, uh, at least one year Mm -hmm. um i signed a contract for renting an apartment and for schooling for my daughter so until next august i'm here and i want to be settled here now Mm-hmm. I don't feel like going back, no. I, I, I don't have that in my feelings, no. Mm-hmm.
0: As a Ukrainian, just not as a psychologist, but just mm-hmm. stepping back and looking mm-hmm. at the situation, uh, what are the feelings that you have? Mm-hmm. Have you processed those? Yeah, could you speak to that? Um,
1: to be honest, I don't believe that this conflict will be uh, finished soon. And of course, I, I, I'm, I'm still hoping that we will recover as a country as soon as possible. But I don't believe that it, it's going to happen like in the coming like couple of years. Mm-hmm. And by that time, again, we, we should remember that by that time, in two years, all those millions who left, they will feel settled in, mm-hmm. in other countries. And it will be a, another <laughs> stress... Again, to, to feel uprooted mm-hmm. and be back to, to the country, which in your memories you have one country, but mm-hmm. in reality it is already another country.
0: Mm-hmm. I know visiting uh, last month, going back and hoping that things were the way they were. And I didn't even realize I was hoping. And once I got there and I, I felt the stress and anxiety in the air through the checkpoints in the, uh, back to our village and just interacting with neighbors and, and friends, happy to see them, but just also kind of shocked that the Ukraine that I knew, uh, will not be the Ukraine that I know in the future. And that's, uh, like you said, that will give a lot of opportunity for trauma counselors. <laughs> unfortunately, um, and so I would like our listeners to know if they, uh, if they are interested in getting in contact with you, um, if you're open to that, how would they do that?
1: They can use my f- Facebook profile, maybe it's the easiest way.
0: Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll include that in this episode of uh, mm-hmm. the Lena's Facebook profile. Feel free to reach out for the English listeners like this is a, a real blessing to be able to hear someone who can speak English well, and you do, Elena. Thank, thank you, you very much. Um, and uh, most of your trauma counseling is in Ukrainian. Yes. Do you have any English?
1: Um, I had patients. Few, I, I had few teenagers. Yes.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I I know she'd be thrilled to practice her English more on a <laughs> professional <laughs> level. So, thank you so much, Helena for being with us on this podcast um we're going to say goodbye but encourage you to check back every week we'll have a a guest they will be from different cultures different perspectives and i hope that you've learned something i know i have thank you elena
1: thank you bruce Bye.
0: bye bye